way I look at brand is it's the sum of all your experiences with a company. So having a strong brand is understand that your virtual events, how good they are and what the customer experience is, that can either improve your brand or reduce it. Welcome to Virtually Live by Cultura. In this podcast, we'll try to sum up all the latest and greatest in marketing, and specifically in event marketing. To help us do that, we've invited prominent marketing and business leaders to share their most important lessons and give their best predictions for the coming years. In this week's episode, we speak with Oracle EVP and CMO, Ariel Kelman, to hear more about shifting the entire customer journey to virtual, the progressions in video engagement, and the vast amounts of data digital encounters generate. Hello and welcome to Kaltura Virtually Live. I'm Michal Tsur and I'm Kaltura's co-founder, president and chief marketing officer. And I'm coming to you virtually live from the Oracle campus in Redwood City. And with me here today is Ariel Kelman, Oracle's chief marketing officer. Good morning, Ariel. It's so good to have you with us today. Good morning. Thank you for having me here, Michal. I'm excited to be a part of this event. So it would be great if you could tell us a bit about yourself and, and your journey in marketing. Sure. I mean, I've been involved in marketing for almost 20 years now. I, uh, I actually did a startup, started out um, making marketing software. And um, when I was done designing the initial product, uh, I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, I didn't know it was called marketing, but I was working on the website and materials for our, our salespeople and customers. And then from that point on, I sort of sticked with marketing uh, ever since. I uh, did a product marketing role at uh, Salesforce. Uh, I ran marketing at AWS uh, for about eight years, and I've been uh, running marketing at Oracle um, since January of 2020. So how has marketing changed over the course of your career? Um, well, I think, you know, I'll sort of preface this by saying my experience is B2B marketing and B2B tech marketing. I think one of the biggest changes in, in B2B tech marketing is um, really the, I'd say the primacy of authenticity. Because it used to be 20 years ago when there was hardware and software, there were engineers in between the customer and the products they were evaluating, and there wasn't a website. And now for almost every internet-based product, like your product, like our products, any customer can use it and try it out anytime they want, most of the time without talking to a salesperson. And so the great thing about that is there's no reason to have to make up stories and make up fake messages because everyone will know if you're lying. And so it allows marketing teams, it really forces them to focus on what matters, explaining to customers um, why they should care about your company and your products, what they can use it for, and what you're all about in terms of why you're different of helping them become successful with whatever problems they have. So everybody, says, and, and probably they're right, that um, a lot has changed since COVID. What actually changed and, and what will not go back to as it was yeah. before? Yeah, so some things have changed, some things uh, have, you know, are going to go back. I think, you know, for us, um, you know, the first thing we did is, is shut down all of our physical events like a lot of other people. And we said, well, let's go big on this thing that we've been doing for a while called virtual events. Some people called it webinars, but we wanted to go bigger on that. And, you know, like many companies, there was a, there was a fear like, of what's gonna happen? Is this going to dramatically diminish our ability to engage with and educate customers? But, I mean, it was kind of the opposite. You know, for the vast majority of things that we're trying to do with events, 
we were as successful or more um, using virtual events. And so I think while we're enjoying just beginning to start up physical events anymore, um, across all of our different types of events, the virtual events are going to remain 2, 3x uh, the volume of what they were pre-pandemic, just because we found them to be just so useful and effective. So Virtually Live is, is a lot about uh, virtual events and, and what the future holds for them. And we're going to hear a lot of speakers throughout the day um, sharing their vision for virtual events. What do you feel the future holds for virtual, hybrid, in-person events? A couple things. I think one of the ones that I, I find most interesting, mostly because it's all opportunity for us, something we, we, you and I have talked about a little bit, of starting to get smarter with how we utilize all the data that we gather in the events to deliver a better customer experience and also to help generate more sales outcomes out of the event. So for example, you think about you have an event, lots of tracks, you have people asking questions, engaging with speakers or with people monitoring the chats, that you know, they have customers expressing interest in certain areas of your products or they're asking for help and wanting to learn more about something. So being able to follow up with them in, in a variety of different ways is incredibly valuable, but also to start to look at this as you know, how you're judging the, um, the success of the event. And it's more than just the post-event survey, that you can start to look at the data around the interactions that customers are having to get a deeper, deeper knowledge around these events. Um, and I think the other thing that's a little bit less technical, but you know, it's gonna be a big thing for our future of virtual events is that it's, we're gonna go probably four or five X bigger than we thought we would have before the pandemic on virtual executive events. Because you think at first, oh, executive events, terrible for virtual. You want to have people together, you know, mix your customers, your prospects, have a nice dinner. That's kind of what people do, sprinkle in some content. And you can't get that experience virtually, it's true. But what you can get is these people's time. So if you think about how difficult it is and how much lead time you need to get an executive to come to one of your physical events, having these virtual events um, it's always been a great concept. Oh, well, why don't we get, you know, 30 uh, chief financial officers of financial services companies and we'll have an executive event with them. Well, but that's all based on the concept that executives would want to go on an online event. And in the past, you couldn't count on that. But now these guys are doing it every day. So we're finding that we can do a much higher volume of executive events because we're asking like, hey, do you want to be on the customer advisory board for these two products? It's uh, an hour every other month. And they're like, okay, you know, I just jump on an online meeting. And we're, we're finding that the hours of, or minutes of engagement we're getting with senior people and our customers are much, much higher. So while we're adding back um, executive physical events, I think that it was a big breakthrough for the team to be able to add in the virtual component, and that's not going back. So when you think of virtual events, I mean, do you think they should be treated as a subcategory of events, digital engagement, or maybe it's a totally new marketing category? Maybe it doesn't matter, but I'm curious. Well, it could be an evolution too, right? I think definitely if, you should, if you're thinking about an event strategy, you know, you're gonna have different types of events, and not only, I think virtual is now, it is a, a classification of events or type of, things that you just have to get right and you have to be good at as a marketing organization because however you slice it, a very large percentage of the minutes of interaction that you're going to have with customers um, 
are going to be through these virtual events. So you got to get good at it. But then if you think about once you get really good at it and you nailed the basics, thinking about it is how can it be an ongoing engagement platform, you know, through the event and even post event. That's kind of the advanced sort of next steps. People talk about, well, why can't our user conference be something that lives on throughout the year where you can have this community communicate with each other and continue the networking and continue to interact with your employees just as if they're at your annual user conference. So I think that that's an exciting area where we're going to see people developing a lot of new things. So where do you think we're not leveraging um, the potential of virtual events to, to its greatest extent? I think there's, there's a couple areas. Um, I think one of the things that hasn't really been figured out yet but has high potential and is very valuable is get reproducing those casual interactions that people have in a conference. When you run into someone in the hallway or when you walk up to a booth in the expo and how to make it casual, not awkward, but yet still allow those quick kind of informative conversations in a way that's natural. So when you think about the economics of these conferences, the amount of money that you can charge partners for sponsorships is in some way proportional to how many attendees you have because they're looking at the booth traffic and they're, um, you know, they're making their ROI uh, justifications for sponsoring the event around how many leads they're going to get, pipeline for sales. And that aspect's been a little bit missing from virtual events. Now, the good news is that they're a tiny fraction of the cost. Yeah. So that makes it a lot better. But, um, you know, they're not, it's not just economic. The partners want to come to the events and buy sponsorships because your event has people that they want to talk to. So it's, it's, we've, that's sort of the biggest untapped potential is how do we sort of regrow the partner to customer and customer to customer interactions to, to what, it was, what it's like in a big, vibrant, uh, in-person conference? Because I think we figured out keynotes. We figured out breakout sessions. And in some ways it's better, right? Because during the breakout session now, you can go ask questions and the company hosting the event can have like four or five experts just answering them in real time. And you don't really get that as much um, during these live events. So those have gotten better, but we just need to keep evolving to get some of those additional elements that we all love sorted out in the virtual world. So in terms of your own personal experience at, at virtual events as, as a speaker, as a chief marketing officer, as a participant, um, what was your experience and, and which events do you love? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that I, I sort of didn't appreciate until I started participating in them. Um, uh, speaking in a live virtual event where you can sort of see some of the people there and see the numbers of people, that to me felt very similar to speaking in an event on stage. The thing that took a little bit of time to get used to is when you are pre-recording, let's say, a keynote where there is no audience and you're just sort of talking to a camera. It's, it's almost a new skill to learn of, of how to get that same energy that you get when you're on stage and when you can sort of interact at least, you know, in eye contact and facial expressions with the audience and, you know, not delivering a flat performance and appearing boring because you're just talking directly into a camera. And I think the other part that is a little tricky is the hybrid events. And I've found that, like, in some cases, um, in some cases, event promoters are struggling with 
sort of designing the event for the in-person experience and then saying, let's add a virtual event uh, format on and make it hybrid. And that's the tricky part because the, the great virtual events, they're basically like a highly produced TV show where you know, things move along a lot more quickly and it's, you know, it's snappy through all these different pieces. Whereas in a, in a live event, you can kind of have the breaks that don't work. And then uh, another challenge we see with these hybrid events is sometimes they will uh, get the online virtual portion of it fantastic. It's very well produced, it's great, you have lots of people on there, but the on-premises portion doesn't work so well. So I spoke once at an event where we had several thousand people online, great content, but the people in the room, it was like 80 people in a room that could fit 300. So for them, it kind of left an underwhelming experience where they're thinking, well, why should I have been there? And so we're seeing some people improving on this by saying, well, I'm going to make most of the content broadcast virtually, but we'll have some special experiences that are smaller, more intimate, more discussions for the people uh, in the room. And, you know, look, just like anything in life, like you got to work out the details. You have to think through all the details from the customer experience, from the, all the different vantage points your customers are in. Let's shift to a broader um, question about virtual and online engagement with, with the use of video. So Oracle uses quite a bit of video um, as part of its uh, marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. Could you elaborate a little more about that? Yeah, I mean, video has been pretty successful for us in terms of creating a quick and easy way for people to learn about um, our products and our announcements. And, you know, we've combined them with events too. Like, we look at all these virtual events as a great way to capture video because if we need, let's say, we do a product announcement, we need to make a tight, you know, 90-second or three-minute demo, okay, well, that's a perfect demo video. So we get a lot of our good video content from all these events that we're doing, but I think the key is to really sort of be aggressive in editing them down. As you know, when you look at the engagement uh, as time goes by in these videos, uh, for many of them, it just drops really fast after about a minute, minute and a half. And so editing them down, and then what I find is really useful is to take all those clips and don't just go and put them on, here's a summary of our event, and then you have all the videos according to your agenda, but to basically use that as content to put throughout your website and social media. So we typically find we'll do one event and these video clips will end up in 20, 30 different places on our website. Because we have our websites that are cut by product and use case and type of customer. And you know, it's really about leveraging the really good content and being aggressive at just get rid of the content that's not as good that serves the same purpose. So you're a marketer and um, Oracle creates uh, great products for marketers. Um, how involved are you in, in defining or influencing uh, product strategy for, for marketers? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting for me because um, I have never been at a company before that also makes the marketing products. And so um, one of the things before I started that Larry did that I, I, I wouldn't have guessed but ended up being really cool is the MarTech team everyone will have like, okay, here's your developers that work on the marketing stack. Um, we put them directly in um, the Oracle CX development team. So uh, we talked to Rob Tarkoff, who's responsible for our sales, marketing, support, advertising products. Um, he's also responsible for making sure all of my MarTech projects go on right. And so having those people in the same team as the developers for Eloqua, Responsys, Mode for advertising management, on and on and on, 
has, has sort of been a, a, a real mechanism or forcing function to get our requirements and our feedback and our fixes and directly into the engineers and for make it easy for me to hold them accountable uh, and for them to hold me accountable too of like, are you using this? Is it working? And so it's, um, you know, it's been fantastic. And also I'd say that uh, we end up being the guinea pigs for the new products. And so uh, we just launched this fusion marketing product that allows um, organizations to do uh, campaigns that combine online advertising and email marketing into a single program that then generates leads and opportunities for, for customers. And we got to be very involved in building it and also testing it. And really when the engineers of the product are you know, in a alpha version iterative process, it's very inspiring for the people on the marketing team because they feel like they have a direct input. So that's been one of the most fun parts of the job is to be able to work with all these engineers that build our, our great marketing products and to help them evolve them. Last month we announced um, a strategic partnership uh, between Cultura and, and Oracle. Um, Oracle is going to be um, leveraging Cultura video technology um, in some of its marketing products. Uh, and, and we started talking about the, the, the value and, and the impact of video. What's your vision for the use of, of video um, as a marketer um, for online engagement? Yeah, I mean, I look at it, it's, it's one of the main types of content that just needs to be ubiquitous in every marketing interaction where you want to communicate that, whether it's an email, text, notifications, um, you know, on-demand video, however we're communicating or salespeople giving a demo or presentation for that matter, that you should be able to pull all your content from one place and you should not be limited to one type of content. So I think in any channel, either digital or, or you know, humans talking to each other, um, we need to be able to get that video content because it's often very useful. You have really tight prepackaged content that you can pull into these conversations. It's, it's fantastic. Let's talk a bit about data. So video, uh, and I guess video engagement uh, creates a lot of rich data. Um, we're using some of it today. Um, we're definitely not leveraging it to the greatest extent, um, and it can go in both directions. So not only data that we collect in events, but we could actually leverage existing data real-time in events. Where, you know, if you, do you have any vision for that? Yeah, I mean, we're barely scratching the surface. One of the areas I'm most interested in um, at some point we'll get some time to experiment with is um, using uh, machine learning on all the video content, both of the speakers and the audience, to really score, grade, and give feedback to all the presenters. So, you know, if you're looking at a, an on-demand video and you're, so you can see when people drop off, but when you can look at people's faces and you can start to see where are they engaged, what are the subject, the areas of subject matter, or in an hour-long presentation, if you explained a concept three different times, which one resonated the most. So I think this sort of more sophisticated feedback using uh, AI-based systems is, is going to be, you know, the companies that are really good at content and looking at it even better are going to be way more efficient at uh, delivering high-value content by using those technologies. Marketing has evolved greatly and probably marketing roles um, and teams are, are changing. How is that changing at Oracle? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, has been sort of evolving at every organization I've been to is sort of trying to optimize the right mix of, of uh, 
centralization versus decentralization. And I think these virtual event platforms have made it easier to decentralize. If you think about um, the expertise required and the cost of getting it wrong with physical events really cause teams to centralize a lot of this activity versus you think about with these virtual platforms that you can allow, you know, imagine if you have five different products and five different product marketing teams, there's no reason why they can't be self-sufficient running their own virtual events without talking to anyone else uh, on the team or in the company. And the more that you can have self-contained groups doing work without having to coordinate with other groups in the company, you can move faster and iterate more quickly. So what are the new marketing skills on the block nowadays? Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things I'll start with is sort of a skill or expertise for the marketing organization, which is around video. I think something we've done and I've seen a lot of other companies do is to really insource video production and look at it now as it's a thing. It's a strategic thing that you need to be really good at. I mean, I'm a big proponent of if there's something that is really important to your business, you're part of the business, like you don't outsource it. You do it, you do it yourself and you become really good at it. And what we found by creating a video team and investing in the equipment, the facilities, the people that you know, were able to have higher quality, faster iteration with the teams and lower costs. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a great combination. Let's talk about marketing budgets and how those have changed um, over the course of the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, look, when the pandemic first hit, um, a lot of marketing organizations were asked to help the company reduce costs. And, you know, for, for many of us, I include myself in one of these, a lot of it was fairly easy because we, you know, we like many B2B tech companies, we had a pretty significant chunk of our marketing budget focused on uh, physical events. And it's almost like it was a forced efficiency exercise because, look, we always knew if we could learn how to be more effective and efficient, with virtual events, um, then we could, you know, lower the overall spend that we're doing in this area. And, and I started to look at what is, you know, not cost per attendee. Like, yeah, when you're looking at the economics of a, one event, that's good. But I was starting to make everyone look at what is the cost per minute of attendee engagement. And what we're able to find is we really reduce that. We reduce that substantially and substantially increase the total minutes of attendee engagement. And, and I think that more efficient economic viewpoint, now when we look at some physical events, they don't look that good economically anymore. If you start to look at it as, you know, how much time will you actually get with the attendees uh, based on what you're paying. That's and an I think, you know, KPI, by the way. I, have not, totally. I haven't heard it before. It's not always easy to measure because with the physical events, you often have to estimate things. But one of the things I recommend, if you, if you want to get into doing uh, cost per minute of attendee engagement metrics across um, physical and virtual events is to do the RFID tracking of the attendees. Because then you're going to know, like, well, are they actually, how many minutes did they spend in sessions? You really uh, can track that. So hi highly recommend that. Events are, are actually a, a very important branding exercise. Uh, and I've been seeing you know, great variety of, of virtual events. Uh, how important is, is branding for you at, at virtual events and, and how do you go about actually, you know, making the most out of it? Yeah, well, I'd say first of all, I mean, the way I look at brand is it's the sum of all your experiences with a company. So part of having a strong brand is 
to understand that your virtual events, how good they are and what the customer experience is, that can either improve your brand or reduce it. But you know, when you talk about how do you represent your brand in events, I think there's a very different experience when you go, I'm gonna deploy my event to look like an online meeting, or I'm gonna deploy it to be something that's very custom branded so that you feel like you're in something different. And I think you know, we've all experienced this in physical events when people are really able to create a unique environment where everything is tied together and there's a sort of a feel to it. Uh, you know, it has an impact. It can kind of change your mindset a little bit. Let's do a few quick questions. What was the most surprising data point for you in, in the past year? Um, so one of the more surprising data points is, uh, and maybe this gets into a marketing tactic I hadn't used before, but we did a lot of surveys during the pandemic that were related to our products. So we went and um, we, we did a survey on um, employees and how they think of their managers and career advice for our HR products. And we sort of came up with a stat that 80% of employees would rather take career advice from an AI bot than from their manager. <laughs> okay. And because we had built some of that career journey functionality into our HR products. And um, I would not have guessed that. That is a surprising data um, point. <laughs> and it, it generated a lot of interest for the product. How many virtual events did you run last year? Um, many thousands. So probably if you add them all up um, across all our field marketing teams around the world, over, over 5,000. What was your biggest marketing pain in the past year? I think the biggest marketing pain in the last year, for me as someone who leads a large organization distributed across the world, was not having enough in-person time with the teams. And especially someone who came in new to an established large team, I, I didn't realize how much of the relationship building and also kind of skill assessment you get from the time between the meetings and the casual interactions before and after work. And it's just made a lot of that a lot more difficult of making sure that all the different teams are highly functioning, working together, and that you're addressing problems. It's just a lot harder when you're not in person. That's why you know, we're all looking forward so much to going back to the office. What do you enjoy the most about um, how everything has changed in the past couple of years? And what has been your biggest pain? Okay, I mean, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most is that um, anyone will get on a, a virtual meeting. And sort of, as I said before, the executive events that these, you know, either side of it, whether it was our existing customers talking about their experiences or people who are not our customers yet learning from other customers who've done it before, these executive events are just so valuable and useful. And, you know, being able to reduce the difficulty or, uh, you know, perceived cost of attending for the customer by like, you know, 95% has just been amazing. And, you know, we basically pre-trained lots of senior people that didn't used to use technology a lot to engage in video conferences um, in a seamless way that they're happy to do. We have a lot of marketers tuning in uh, to your session today. What is your tip for them for 2022? Okay, my tip for 2022 is whenever you're writing messaging, copy, whether it's for a presentation, a website, digital media, anything, before you think you're done, read it out loud to another human. And if it doesn't sound like something one human would say to another human, 
go rewrite it. And it, it sounds so obvious, but so often, um, many marketers, they sort of get lulled into this feeling that there's a different way to write uh, than how you would talk. And I've done a lot of research on this. People like simple, plain language that most clearly explains the concept. So Ariel, did I forget to ask you anything um, um, in our conversation? I don't know. Um, I mean, maybe like we didn't talk too much about marketing journeys and I think like it's, it, I find it useful for, um, for marketers to think about a, a, a journey you want to take customers on of, 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 you know, sort of going from not knowing about something to knowing about something and, and, and appreciating it. And that, that you should use that lens to think about putting events inside of it versus thinking of events being things in themselves. Because ultimately, it, the more you can tie them into a change in awareness or perception um, or intent, uh, then the more you can have a real business outcome uh, from your events. Ariel, it was a pleasure chatting with you today and thank you so much for joining us at Cultura Virtually Live. Thank you to our guest, Ariel Kalman, for chatting with us today. Next week, join Michal Tzor once more as she speaks with DocuSign CMO, Rob Gilio, Nicola Kastner, VP Global Head of Event Strategy at SAP, and Bob Bejan, VP Global Events, Production Studios, and Marketing Community at Microsoft. They'll discuss how virtual events fit into the marketing funnel and what's left to innovate in the ever-evolving field of marketing. Thanks for tuning in.